hear from God's word now, so please, if you'd like to, open the Bibles that you've got uh, in your chairs, on your chairs, um, or at home you can follow on, on the screen. Our first reading today is from Daniel, chapter 7, uh, verses 9 to 14, and you can find that on page 766. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Uh, the second reading is from Revelation, <clears throat> uh, chapter 1, verses 9 to 20, and you can find that on page 1062. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and out of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a verse of scripture which has been really um, important to me these last few weeks. Uh, it comes from Hebrews chapter 12, and it says this, 
let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, uh, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the, the joy set before him, endured the cross and scored its shame and sat down at the right hand of his Father. Consider him, look to him, gaze on him, consider him, Jesus, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. And it's been so important to me because, to be honest, I, I'm pretty weary right now. I'm pretty weary. But as I look to Jesus, and I fix my eyes on Jesus, I remind myself of who he is. Not who I am, but who he is. How, how glorious he is, how majestic he is, how powerful and present he is. Then I don't grow weary and lose heart. Uh, and maybe that is you here this morning. Maybe you are weary. Maybe you're wandering. Maybe you are losing heart. Maybe you're lethargic. Maybe you're lukewarm. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, yeah, I've stopped looking at Jesus. Can I encourage you and urge you to turn your eyes back upon Jesus and look into his glorious face? Look at Jesus. Trust Jesus, depend on Jesus, relate to Jesus, rely on Jesus, talk to him. Stop looking at your issues and your problems and turn your face onto the one who is all-powerful and ever-present. Will you do that? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because the promise of Scripture is this, that you won't grow weary and you will not lose heart. Do you ever look at some Christians and think, how do they keep going? How are they so courageous in their faith? As a church, we support an incredible organization called Voice of the Martyrs. They work with the persecuted church all around the world. It was established in 1976 by this man on the left. His name is Richard Wormbrand. That's his wife, Sabina. There's a man who did not grow weary and lose heart. He was born in 1909 in Romania. He is Jewish. He was born again in 1938. He pastored a church and he was repeatedly convicted for evangelism. In 1945, he was at a conference. And at this conference, there was this call to stand up and to pledge your allegiance to the communist regime. What would you do? Richard Wormbrand, this man of God, he stood up in front of 4,000 people and he said... I'm called to give allegiance to Christ and to Christ alone. And for that, he was imprisoned, he was tortured, he was beaten. He spent nine years in jail, not just in jail, but in solitary confinement, 12 feet underground, no light, no windows. He said to, to keep himself from going crazy, he used to sleep during the day and preach sermons to himself all night. He allowed the word of God to dwell in him richly. He fixed his eyes on Jesus, and he did not lose heart. There's a man who I just want to be like. A voice of the martyrs, we support 12 women today in northern Vietnam whose husbands are in prison for their faith. Think about that statement. As we sit here in the, the comforts of Kiribati, there are 12 men in northern Vietnam right now in jail. Why? Because they believe in Jesus. 
Uh, these are two men, two real men who were released a few years ago. Their names are Y. Ritney and Y. Woni. They wrote a letter. Here's one of their stories. I was in prison for 13 years for believing in Jesus. I have high blood pressure, hepatitis B. Due to torture in prison, my whole body aches and I'm in constant pain. The police are still watching my every move every day. Despite all this, I love Jesus, I trust God, and I know I'm alive today through the mercy of God. I don't blame God. I will never forget what your church, Church by the Bridge, have done for me. You reminded me that God still cares. Thank you, God, and for I keep trusting him. Doesn't that blow your mind? On the next slide is a man called Hamid. He, he was born in Tehran. He is an Iranian Christian who converted from Islam to Christianity. His phone was tapped by the government. He was arrested for carrying Christian literature and sent to jail. He said, I thank God for considering me worthy of enduring the persecution because of him. I'm sharing these stories because we need to remind ourselves that our so-called problems that we face... They're just not really problems when you compare it to what other Christians are facing around the world today. You may be here and you're weary and you may be here losing heart, and that's okay. But please remember, there are people out there who are being persecuted for their faith. And I think of the Apostle John, the man who wrote this letter of Revelation. See how he describes himself in verse 9? Remember, this is the man who wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote the epistles of John. He's the one that Jesus loved. He says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He says, I'm a companion in suffering and in patient endurance. So, so John is not living a cushy life. I hope you realize that when you read Revelation. John is not on holiday in Patmos. He's in prison. Uh, Patmos is this, this little island just off the coast of Turkey. Today it's beautiful. Then it was a penal colony. People were exiled to Patmos. They were sent there to work down the mines. And John is here in his 80s or his early 90s and he's being punished why, verse 9, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, he's in prison because he's proclaimed Christ. I know this is hard to grasp, but, but being unpopular and being punished for your faith, that is the norm. That is actually the norm. You know, here in Sydney, when you can walk to church on a Sunday with a Bible under your arm and you can walk into church with a freedom and the only restraints are you have to wear these, these masks. Now, this is not normal. This is not normal. Jesus said in John 15, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Now, whether we're in prison or whether we're just weary, we need to turn our eyes again to Jesus to fix onto his glorious face. I don't know whether you've ever been scuba diving. I went a few years ago and I actually didn't like it very much. It's, it's so disorientating. And one of the things about scuba diving is that sometimes you're so disorientated you can't tell which is up and down. And my scuba diving instructor gave me a really top tip. It's a really important tip. It says, just look at the bubbles. 
because the bubbles always go up. And it's kind of what John is saying to us this morning. Just look at Jesus. Look up. Stop looking inward at yourself and your issues. Stop looking around at all the problems and look up. Look up and see Jesus for who he really is. Now, when I say that, when I say look at Jesus, what comes into your mind? Because my fear is that when I say look at Jesus, we, we just think about either this, this baby in a manger that we worship every Christmas or, or a, a dead man on a cross that we worship every Easter. Or, or maybe you think about the, the resurrected Jesus with his scars who's eating with his disciples. But, but that's not who Jesus is right now. He's not a baby. He's not on a cross. He's not just risen from the dead. Where is Jesus right now and who is Jesus right now? You've got to have your, your mind just captivated by who Jesus is right now. And that is revelation. The word revelation, chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, literally. The word revelation it means an unveiling, a revealing. And in his first eight verses, we saw he reveals his, his rule, his redemption, and his return. But today is going to reveal more and more about who he is right now. John verse 4 is writing to these seven churches in Asia Minor. That's modern-day Turkey. And that number seven is, is the, the number for completion. So he's writing to his global church. He's writing to us as his church today. And his message is very simple. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep looking at Jesus. People keep saying to me um, that Revelation is a really, really, really difficult book. It's not that difficult. It, it is difficult because of all the symbolism, but it's actually quite simple. Uh, I, I can summarize Revelation in just one word. Just one word. You all know this word. Some of you here might be wearing a symbol of this word on your clothing or perhaps on your shoes. If you're wearing anything today made by Nike, you know this word. Because the word Nike is the Greek word for victorious. And that's what Revelation is. It's about victory. It's about conquering. It's about overcoming. In one word, the book of Revelation says, Jesus is victorious. Jesus has won. He is winning. He has won. He will win. So do not fear. That is the story of Revelation. And this morning I've got two things for you. Here, the vision of the victorious Lord Jesus. The vision of the victorious Lord Jesus. Because many of us here have this inadequate, insipid, one-dimensional view of who Jesus really is. So be ready to have your minds enlarged. Who is Jesus right now? Uh, come with me, verse 10. Uh, on the Lord's day, he says, it could be Sunday, Resurrection Day. Uh, more likely, it's the Lord's day in terms of that time between Jesus ascending and returning. Oh, this is the Lord's day. Every day is the Lord's day. On the Lord's day, he says, verse 10, I was in the Spirit, so I had this spiritual encounter, just like Peter at Joppa or Paul at Jerusalem. John encounters this spiritual experience. And he heard behind him a loud voice like a trumpet 
Whenever you hear the word trumpet, the trumpet is always a call from God to say, stop and listen. Listen carefully. I turned, verse 12, and to see the voice of that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, lampstands in the Bible, uh, if you know your Old Testament, they were just outside the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. It was like ushering you into the presence of God. And we're told down in verse 20, the seven stars are the angels or the protectors or the messengers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So he has this vision of God's global church. But who is the voice? Verse 13, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. So the vision starts with this picture of this figure called the Son of Man. Now, now don't think just humanity. It's Daniel chapter 7. The one like the Son of Man is about his deity, his divinity. This is God. This is God here. And where is he? Verse 13, among the golden lamps. Now, that's so important. When When you think of Jesus, please don't think of Jesus as being distant or absent or separate, or distracted. Verse 13, he's among the churches. You're supposed to imagine this circle of these seven churches, and at the center of the circle, at the hub of the circle, at the heart of the church is Jesus himself. You've got to believe that. The presence of Jesus, no matter what your life looks like, Jesus is always right there, right with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. So for Richard Wormbrand, in solitary confinement for for nine years, Jesus never left him, not for a single second. For those 12 guys in prison right now, Jesus is with them. He's not absent. He hasn't left them. For us as a church, Jesus is never, ever, ever absent. We never walk alone. You've got to believe that the presence of Jesus, you've got to believe in the power of Jesus. This is this vision, this picture we're about to get. I read a book recently called, or a long time ago, actually, called uh, Why Men Hate Church. Why Men Hate Church. And there were some terrible bits, but some really good bits. Uh, this is one of the best bits. He, the author has a piece of paper or a, a page where there's two columns. He says column A and column B. And in column A, he's got words like powerful, competent, victorious, successful, achievement, accomplished. And in column B, he's got words like love, beautiful, harmony, nurturing, relational. And then he asks, which of those two columns best describes the Lord Jesus Christ? And 95% of Christians say column B. Loving, nurturing, caring. And that is, that is right. Of course Jesus is like that. He's loving, he's nurturing, he's caring. Of course he is. But he's also powerful. He's also successful. He's also victorious. He's also strong. He's also mighty. And I think this is the issue. We've got this this wrong, insipid view of Jesus. He is the exalted, 
glorious, risen, reigning, ruling king. That's what Jesus, the John sees here. It's not a picture of just a man on a cross. It's a risen, reigning king. Look at it with me. There's one like a son of man, and he's dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, verse 13. Only two people in the Bible wear robes, kings and priests. That is our Lord Jesus. He's both king and priest. So when you think about the high priest in the Old Testament, the high priest, Exodus 28 or Leviticus 8, is the man who was chosen by God to usher his people into his presence. The high priest was the one who would sprinkle the blood so that you could have access to God himself. Now, your Lord Jesus Christ, he's not just a priest, he is the high priest. And it's not just that 2,000 years ago he ushered you into the presence of God, or not just when you became a Christian you were washed in his blood. Today, right here, right now, he's in heaven interceding for you as your high priest. Do you believe that? That today, at this moment, he's got your name saying, yes, he's mine, yes, she's mine. I died for him, I died for her. Do you ever see Jesus like that, interceding for you right here, right now? He's your king. This golden sash around his waist. Not just a king, but the king of kings, the lord of lords. There's no human power that has more authority and more control than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's wise, verse 14. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. That's a a picture from Daniel 7 of the ancient of days with with white hair. White hair, grey hair. If you're going grey, that is not a disaster. That is a sign of wisdom and maturity. And that is Jesus. He rules with perfect wisdom. He knows all things. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. He knows what's happening. He knows why it's happening. He sees everything. He knows everything. I love verse 14. His eyes were like blazing fire. A picture from Daniel chapter 10. You ever met those people who you say, gosh, they've got piercing eyes? When you meet these people with these piercing eyes, it's like, you're captivated by them. It's like they can see you. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying he sees everything about you. He knows you. He, he sees beyond the exterior. He sees into your, your heart, your mind, your thoughts, your soul. He sees everything about you. He's strong. He's secure, verse 15. His, his feet are like bronze glowing in a furnace. That's a picture from Daniel chapter 2, if you know your Bibles, where, remember, Nebuchadnezzar built that statue with a gold head and a silver chest, and then the feet were made of clay. And it's this picture that the empires come and go, and kings come and go, Babylon, then Persia, then Alexander the Great, and then Rome, and then, what, the US, and then China. But it's just earthly kingdoms. But, but Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' dominion, it will never end. And these bronze feet, because bronze is made of iron and copper, uh, iron for, for strength and security and copper to stop it rusting. It's saying the kingdom of Jesus, it is so strong, it is so secure, it will never be shaken. That would be encouraging for the persecuted church today. And his voice, 
verse 15, was like the sound of rushing water. It's deafeningly loud. He's saying, go and stand beneath Niagara Falls and just stand there and the power of that water will be so loud that you cannot hear any other noise but the noise of that water. He's saying, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. When you, when you gaze at him, when you fix your eyes on him, his words, his truth will silence all the errors, all the lies, all the untruths of those around you. Yeah, I hope you know that as a Christian, you're in a spiritual battle. And the devil, the devil whispers. Actually, he doesn't whisper. He often shouts. He often shouts lies to you. And Jesus said, let my voice drown out the lies of the evil one. I love the story of a little girl who said that whenever she heard the lies and temptations of the devil, she always sent the Lord Jesus to answer the door. Send Jesus. Let his voice drown out all the untruths that you're allowed to enter into your ears day by day. So church, you've got a Bible. I'm assuming you've got a Bible in your house. You've got a Bible on your phone. So, so what airtime do you give the voice of Jesus into your life each week? He wants to speak to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to actually refine you. He's described there as, in verse 16, as a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. That's Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God that's alive and active, sharp and a double-edged sword. He's saying, when you come to the word of God, it cuts you. It's sometimes painful, but it's always, always good. Now, I personally need to hear right now that God is my rock and my refuge. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. I'm never alone. So gaze on Jesus. Do you look to him? Do you talk to him? Do you depend on him? Do you relate to him? Let's just think for a moment. There's, there's 12 men in jail. I could say to you this morning, church, why don't we write a letter? Why don't we write a letter to those men in jail? And we could write something nice like, hey guys, Bridge Church here. We're praying for you. We're thinking of you. Stay strong in the Lord. Love the Bridge Church. And that's nice, isn't it? That's actually a really nice thing to do. It's been a nice letter to receive. Now, imagine he got that letter, but he got another letter from his saviour, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says to him, writes to him, hey, I've got you. I see you. I know you. I'm powerful. I'm present. I'm conquering. I'm victorious. Don't give in and don't give up your Lord Jesus Christ. Now, which of those two letters is going to mean most to that guy? Our human pious platitudes? Or the promises of our risen king? So do you actually see Jesus like this? Or is he just this, this baby or this man on the cross? So the, the vision of the victorious Lord Jesus, uh, much more quickly, fear him, but don't be afraid. Fear him, but don't be afraid. Remember Narnia when... Uh, Lucy and Susan are getting ready to meet Aslan the lion and Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are saying, you know, you're going to meet a lion. And they say, that's terrifying. Is he safe? And they say, safe? Safe? Of course he's not safe. But he is good. That's the two sides of the coin. He's not safe. But he's so good. So you fear him, but 
You're not afraid of him. Verse 17. When I, John, saw this risen, reigning, victorious, glorious Lord Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. I love that picture. He, he literally, he face plants, a bit like Daniel did and Ezekiel did, a bit like Peter, James, and John did when they saw the transfigured Lord Jesus. They fell at their feet. There's no hugs. There's no handshakes. There's no sing a worship love song to Jesus. They, they fall before him. It, it's a picture of, of awe. It's a picture of reverence and fear and respect, going, wow, wow, you are so awesome. I actually think that word awesome is the most overused word in our language today. Your brunch this morning was not awesome. Your coffee is not awesome. That Netflix show is not awesome. Only one person is awesome. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Only one person is so glorious and so splendid and so majestic that he blows your mind. He is awesome. So fear him. Revere him. I don't mean that we shake in our boots. I mean that we have this this respect for him. And I'm concerned that in evangelical circles, we've lost this this awe, this reverence, this fear. We're so flipping casual the whole time. We just stroll into church as though we're going to the beach. We don't think that we're coming to the presence of the, the risen, reigning, majestic king of the world. The service begins, but we can't be bothered to sing praise songs to him because there's so many chatting to people. And, and, and as we fix our eyes on these truths, we, we've just sung about these truths, a thousand hallelujahs and, and a, a thousand more. But we're just singing as though they're just words. Our hearts are not captivated by who Jesus is right now. We've lost this reverence because we have such a small, insipid view of Jesus. I love this. We, we, we fear men so much because we fear God so little. If we learn to revere God more, we'd care less about what other people think about us and care more about he, how he sees us. So we fear him, we revere him, but we are not afraid. Verse 17, don't be afraid, he says. Don't be scared. Nothing to be scared about. I love verse 17. He placed his right hand on me. This picture of comfort, this picture of assurance and calm. It's been said that sometimes the Lord calms your storms, but sometimes he lets the storms rage, but calms you. Don't be afraid, he says. The most common command in the Bible, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I've got everything. I hold the beginning and the end. I I am the living one. I'm the one who gives life, who holds life, who sustains life. I I was dead, but look, I'm alive. Remember Easter, it's true, you know. I defeated death, I smashed through death. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. So if I've got you, I've got your beginning, I've got your end, I've got your life, I've got your death, I've got your eternity, then what on earth have you got to be afraid about? Think about that. What have you really got to be scared of? He knows you. 
He sees you. He's powerful. He's present. He loves you. He died for you. He rules you. He reigns over you. What on earth have you got to be scared about? Remember Andrew Chan, one of the Bali Nine? He went to his death. As a believer, he came to faith in Christ in prison. Would you be scared of death? Scared of the firing squad? That man went out singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that would save a wretch like me. He said, well, It's okay. I don't want to die, but it's just death. But Jesus defeated death, and I've got eternity with him. This picture of my risen, reigning Lord, I'm about to see him face to face. Can you imagine that? Church, what I'm saying this morning is that if you don't fix your eyes on Jesus, if you don't gaze on Jesus, if you've got a wrong view of Jesus, you'll spend your entire life being tired, weary, wandering, lethargic, or lukewarm. And I hope you don't want that. I hope you want to claim that promise that when you fix your eyes on him, you do not grow weary and you do not lose heart because he's your risen, reigning, glorious, majestic king. I'm going to pray. I'm just going to read some words of a hymn as you sit and pray, actually. You want to go home and Google this great old hymn. It's called Give Me Jesus. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. When I am alone, when I'm alone, when I'm all alone, give me Jesus. When I'm afraid and when I'm afraid, when I'm so afraid, Please give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. And when I come to die, when I come to die, when I come to die, give me Jesus.